Hi there, and welcome to the Nordic Natural Beauty Podcast. In this podcast, we share all things Nordic and natural, such as Nordic skincare tips, insights into the natural beauty industry, and unheard behind-the-scenes stories. Make sure you hit the subscribe or follow button so you won't miss the coming episodes. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Nordic Natural Beauty Podcast. My name is Satu Mäkinen, and I'm the founder of the Nordic Natural Beauty Awards, the first of its kind beauty challenge showcasing the incredible 100% natural cosmetics from the Nordic countries. We're now on our second season of the podcast, where we're getting to know the brands and also the people behind the nominee products of the Nordic Natural Beauty Awards 2021. Today, I'm chatting with Kristina Penti, the founder and the CEO of the Finnish skincare brand Laponi and the brand's own chemist, Jana Ailus. In this episode, we'll dive into the world of skincare laboratories. And since these two women are such experts on this topic, I will let them share their expertise with you. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the Nordic Natural Beauty Podcast, both of you. Thank you. So we got Christina and Jana from the Laponi Skincare. Is it Laponi Skincare or Laponi of Scandinavia that you use nowadays? Well, the, the name of the brand is Laponi of Scandinavia, but uh, we just talk about Laponi and then the website URL is Laponi Skincare. So I, I guess that's where it, where it comes from, but we just, we say Laponi. Okay, so I can just use Laponi the whole time. That's fine. Yeah, that's the most simple solution. All right. Okay. So anyway, welcome to the Nordic Natural Beauty Podcast, both of you from Laponi. Perhaps we could start if you would like to tell a little bit about your background, what you've done in life and how did you end up in the industry? Would you like to start? Jana, you go first. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I went to university to study cosmetic science because I had really bad skin when I was younger and uh, I wanted to create the most full coverage foundation in existence. I went to university in the UK and got a degree in cosmetic science and I have worked in the industry ever since. I've worked in color cosmetics, I've worked in hair care and lately I've been obviously dedicated to skin care and during the many years I've been in the industry I've discovered that there's no makeup that uh, will cover everything you need good skin care first. Hmm. Well said. What about you Christina? My background is a bit different from Jana in terms of, of education and work, but uh, I have had the same kind of challenge with finding suitable stuff for my skin, but for me it was always the products. So I've struggled with acne and, and a bunch of other different skin diseases since I was 12. And also I have extremely sensitive and reactive skin and there are a lot of ingredients which my skin can't handle. So when I figured this out, I started making my own uh, products to try and kind of solve this problem. So that was my hobby or obsession even for almost 20 years. And then I finally decided to to found Laponi. So that's kind of the background for the company, but also my background. Yeah, of course. Well, would you like to continue a little bit about Laponi then, how it all came to be briefly, perhaps, because we will also have an Instagram live about all of this. So yeah. Uh, having kind of had this kitchen hobby for numerous years, I had also begun to uh, give out products to my friends. And when I saw that people actually liked the stuff I had been making, and these were very simple products, which were in no means suitable for selling. So no tests done or, or anything like that. I decided that I would like to create a brand because 
there seemed to be kind of a void in that space. So then uh, in 2015, I founded the company and then it took an additional, a little over two years before we were able to launch the first, uh, the first product. That's a very short and abbreviated version. And in 2017, Jana joined us and uh, I had also found a lab space for us. So uh, that's kind of where it all came together. All right. And then Jana's job is more in the product development chemistry side. Is that correct? Yes, I, I work mostly only in the lab and I do all of our product development, stability testing, um, well, all of that that goes into the product before it can be launched. All right. And uh, so Jana is responsible for the whole product life cycle from development to, to production. All right. Well, perhaps you could continue to talk a little bit about the, the product development because you have a lot of things happening there. Of course. Um, Christina has really well-developed ideas of what the products should be. So we start from there. For example, um, with our face cream, there was a long, very well thought out product brief of what it should be, what it should do, how it should feel. And then I work around that. I try to find the best ingredients. Everything has to be suited for problem skin. And then work from there to get the, exactly the right kind of product. Yeah, you have your own lab. So perhaps this is something you would like to share a little bit more about. Yeah, before I had the amazing luck of finding Jana and uh, I worked with the outsourced lab capacity. And I quickly realized that this was not maybe the way to go because we will easily make 200 versions of a product until we really are satisfied and we're not scared of kind of getting into the really small details and changing up different ingredients to actually get what we want. Jana is an anomaly among cosmetic chemists because she also likes testing out things. Whereas a lot of the other chemists I work with really wanted to have like this fits everyone solution kind of thing and weren't very happy when I came with my really long list of, of uh, prohibited ingredients. So this is kind of what the lab enables us to do to just try and try and try. And uh, Jana will really often find super interesting ingredients and then uh, she'll just, you know, order them home. And, and it's a playground, I guess, in many ways, if that's a term we can use. Jana probably has more to fill in. Yeah, well, like, for example, with emulsifiers, the easiest way to go about creating emulsion would be just to use a bog standard ready-made emulsifier mix. But it's also not that great for problematic or sensitive skin. So we like to use single ingredient emulsifiers, which are a lot rarer and obviously a lot harder to work with. So I work around those quite a lot. So it takes a lot of trial and error to get the right optimal stability with a single ingredient emulsifier. And the same thing goes for preservatives. We don't want to use the same preservative for every product because let's say you are sensitized to a certain preservative, but you still would like to use some of our products, then you can still can. So I fiddle around with a lot of experimental and rarer preservative systems as well. So I have a lot of weird, weird and wonderful tests going on at all times with, yeah, emulsifiers and preservatives, especially. Yeah, that's quite interesting. And you have very, I mean, if you check the label of the product, it's a very short list of ingredients, perhaps ingredient mixes that you wouldn't see in a typical product. Would you like to talk a little bit more about ingredients themselves, for example, what kind of things you choose and what are they beneficial for and this kind of things? Sure. Um, 
I mean, the focus is on ingredients which are suitable for sensitive and problem skin because, I mean, that's what we do. It's for that segment which we create our products. We always go for that and uh, then we really favor ingredients which have been heavily researched so that there's been a lot of tests done so that we can see that it's going to have an effect. But then we, of course, also rigorously test them ourselves. Building on what Jana said about preservatives, we also... We like to find as pure ingredients as possible, which means that we prefer uh, ingredients which haven't had preservatives added to them, which is often the case, so that we can, as Jana said, create the own preservative system for each product. Jana, I'm sure you have more stringent criteria for me. It's always what it does to my extremely sensitive skin, which is the kind of the go-to. Yeah, I suppose you, Jana, you will know so much about the old chemistry of the ingredients and so on. So go on. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, for example, a lot of natural extracts, they are supplied already in a mixture of they're either in water, glycerin, propane diol, and they almost always have a preservative system, which is not suitable for us. So that is why a lot of natural extracts are problematic. We can't use them or then we have to get them custom made. And another criteria we have is more of a locally sourced. We like to buy everything as European as possible and close to us here in Finland as possible. So we don't really look for anything too exotic or we never use anything just because it sounds nice or has nice marketing claims. It has to actually work on the skin. And because our products are so minimalistic, I mean, we can have an inky of four or ten. I don't really have the space to stick anything there just for a marketing claim. It has to be extremely functional as well. Hmm. So it's really focusing on the very key ingredients, let's say. Yeah. And then about the key ingredients, do you have similar ingredients that you use in most of the products that are very functional or they're all quite different combinations? I mean, do you have like kind of base ingredients in most of them? Or? We don't have base ingredients, but we have a few that we use throughout our range. For example, oat oil and ectoin are firm favorites and both are very, very good for problematic skin. And they also have really good skin conditioning benefits. So we like to use them a lot. We're also big fans of like the classics such as glycerin. We're a bit suspicious, maybe. We just don't go for the trends. If something is new, we really test it to see that it actually works for sensitive skin. And that's why we like stuff such as glycerin, which has been used for, you know, ever in skincare products. And there's so much research on it. So that's also something which you will find in all our products like just the classics in that sense. Yuriana, from the chemistry side, would you like to open a little bit how they work on the skin or what could they do to the skin? Well, they all work differently, but glycerin, for example, I think is the best humectant moisturizing active there is. The oldest, really well known. It's extremely well tolerated and it's in water-based products. If there's water in the product, glycerin is suitable for that. Also, another aspect of glycerin is that it doesn't pill. A lot of humectants, if you have a lot of them in a product, it will cause pilling or it's really difficult to layer more products on top of it. But glycerin doesn't have that effect. The only problem if you have too much glycerin in it, that it feels a bit sticky. So there are, yeah, it's it's a really good bog standard humectant. Mm. And what about the other two you mentioned Christina, do you want to speak about that? Yeah. yeah, so oat oil, which we buy directly from Fatsa, which is at least for Finnish people, is a very well-known company. 
their oil really is best in class in terms of, of quality. And we've tested different or other oils as well, but this is just um, the quality is it's amazing. And um, it has a very beneficial fatty acid profile for all types of skin, but especially for sensitive and easily, I guess, disruptive skin. It has soothing benefit on, on skin and also conditioning, like all oils. And then it gives this really nice kind of uh, almost matte, waxy finish without making the skin feel dry. So skin really feels protected. And uh, I remember when I had made the first version or the first versions of the face oil, and I was kind of happy with it, but I felt that something was missing. And then I went to visit Fatsa's oat factory out in Lahtis on other purposes. I was going to get beta gluten, I think. And then they just said, hey, do you want to test our oil? And I was like, sure. And then I came home and, and I made some mixtures and it was just love at first sight because the way it felt on my skin and how much calmer my face looked the next day, it was just, it was amazing. That sounds amazing. And I can only give the thumbs up to you because formulation is such a hard job to make it right. So uh, well done, Jana and Christina, both of you. Thank you. Perhaps as a result of it, your milk cleanser is also nominated in the Nordic Natural Beauty Awards. So congratulations on that as well. Um, would you like to share maybe a little bit more about this specific product? We're divided on this because Jana's favorite is our gel cleanser and I'm a firm milk cleanser girl. <laughs> but um, I've always favored milk cleansers because of my extremely challenging skin. And uh, what we wanted to create was something which would really, really take off any oil and makeup and dirt and whatever and still leave the skin feeling clean but something which would work with oils so a really traditional milk cleanser but uh, the problem i found is with a lot of the other stuff i've tried is that it leaves a film on your face it will easily clog pores uh, when there's a film and, and so on so the idea was to make something which was very efficient oil-based both washable and wipeable which would just leave the skin kind of feeling soft and then uh, soothed and, and uh, nourished, I, I guess. So that was the kind of the brief. And then, well, Jana can talk a bit more about the chemistry aspect of the milk. Yeah, the milk cleanser was a bit tricky to develop because it only has a single emulsifier. As I mentioned before, those are a lot harder to stabilize without a lot of added ingredients. And we wanted to keep the inky short, so no added ingredients. So I had to do quite a few trials with 0.1% variations of raw materials to get it just right. And it has the base oil is Swedish canola oil, which is extremely well tolerated and mild. Yeah, it has a very sensitive, skin-friendly organic acid preservative system as well. So it is very, very gentle. It can be used around the eyes, you can use it for children. It is just very easy to tolerate. The original idea was to develop something which would not have any kind of uh, detergents in the product. And the emulsifier which we have is a non-ionic emulsifier, which is like Jana said, it's very well tolerated. And when we started, it wasn't classified as a surfactant, but when we finished, it had changed. So technically it is a surfactant but it works as an emulsifier and then as I said it's non-ionic and it's one of our best sellers I think it's the only product for which nobody has ever come back and said I didn't like this or this it's a firm favorite among our customers as well yeah that's interesting that classifications can change so much that you actually have to change how you talk about your product so yeah yeah I was thinking what are the main differences for example for the gel cleanser then as the name says, it's a gel, so it's clear, it's quite runny, 
But the main thing is that the gel cleanser is completely oil-free and the cleansing action comes from a, um, it dissolves makeup and oil and dirt more than it kind of washes them off. It works in a completely different way. So uh, this is something if we have, um, say, oily but sensitive skin or customers with that kind of uh, sort of combination, then this is what they will use. And then it's also very popular with our young clients, with teenagers who are getting their first pimples and impurities because it's also extremely hydrating because it contains betaine as well, which is a humectant from sugar beets. All right. And what's the reason this is Jana's favorite? Well, because <laughs> it takes off all your makeup, even really heavy duty makeup in one go. I'm not one for many step skincare routine. So I just shove that on my face and hit the shower and that's it. I'm done. So it's really easy to use. And I suppose you use color cosmetics, aka makeup quite a lot since you have background in that. So Yes, I do. I love makeup. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, I don't know if you have any like funny moments that has happened in the lab. I'm sure there are a lot, but would you like to share something fun? Well, I don't know if it's funny, but one of the products we have, the all-around balm, we make by hand in the lab. <laughs> and that is always a, it's a bit of a project. So, I mean, we have this extremely warm mass, which is the balm, and then we pour it into these small jars. And we've had incidents where a whole decanter has exploded and other stuff like that. But it's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like a real chemistry class, what you had, you know. My only chemistry experience is from the school times. And obviously, a lot of things exploded there. Sometimes by mistake, sometimes we wanted to make something explode. But when we do one batch and uh, after that, neither Jana nor I want to see the balm for a couple of weeks because you're covered in it when we make it so it's uh but Jana do you have anything you want to share yeah well we generally don't like stuff exploding either like we on purpose but sometimes <laughs> it happens I mean I always have like decanters can break and stuff happens but it's normal lab we have safety protocols so it's not an issue but obviously we try to avoid them as much as possible and uh, because I work in the lab as well, under Jana's watching eye. And uh, in the beginning, I would sometimes forget the gloves. And it's like Jana has eyes in the back of her neck and she would just shout, gloves! And I'd be like, yes, 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 yes. And now it's kind of, it's just an ingrained part. So we uh, we sterilize everything and we use gloves. And we're very, as Jana said, we follow the protocol. It's part of what we do. There are obviously certain standards for the cleanliness and hygiene and all this, I suppose. Oh, yes. It's a EU legislation requirement for good manufacturing practice. So we obviously follow GMP, whether it is at our the factories that make our products or then with the balm that we make ourselves. So there is a very high standard of hygiene and uh, everything has to be documented and done in a certain way. Yeah, and it's wonderful to hear this from you directly because you're the one making the products. Many times there are, of course, cases that people manufacture their products elsewhere in another lab, so you cannot talk directly with the people who are in the lab. So I think this is wonderful that you can share all this. People really know what they're buying. Yeah, and also, I mean, the factories we use, we've visited each and every one of them and had the opportunity to see how they work so we can also be sure of the standards that they adhere to we're very kind of we like visiting both the factories and we like meeting and visiting our raw material suppliers and really getting to know the whole production chain it's very important for us 
Mm. And since you mentioned all the ingredients are coming as close as possible, um, how do you pick them? Well, I mean, before the pandemic, we would go to these raw material trade shows. And uh, that was God, I miss trade shows. There used to be so much fun to just... It was like this nerding out for 48 hours where we'd just be like kids in a candy store running around and uh, and meeting people and, and getting samples. But Jana has, has a really good kind of sort of feel for what we should go and, and check out. And uh, and still now we use a lot of databases and, and also we have good contacts with different raw material suppliers. Yeah, I follow a lot of industry newspapers and yeah, just what's going on in the industry at the moment so even without trade fairs i'm quite caught up in what what is up and coming and all the new developments and things so when something a new ingredient is launched or something some new research is launched on an existing ingredient i will order asap a sample of it so i can play around with it in the lab and i know that jana won't mention it herself but i will she's getting her phd in cosmetic chemistry now Oh, wow. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> she gets all the inside info. Yeah, I'm sure. Perhaps it's also like, obviously, the shows are something fun to visit and everybody misses all kinds of meetings. But then since everything is kind of, I mean, everything goes online then as well. So it's easier to also follow elsewhere. Oh, yeah, because obviously now all the conferences, we also go to a lot of not just trade shows, but conferences and uh, educational events. So they've all all been online. So we try to constantly keep educating ourselves more in the industry. Yeah, and it's probably easier even to attend because you don't have to travel across the world every weekend or whenever it is. So, well, maybe we can jump to, I had one question for you. What do you think about the future of the beauty industry? I mean, I'm sure you have certain kinds of ideas what it could look like. Sustainability is one thing. Uh, consumers are more aware of uh, of where raw materials come from and also how they're produced and and uh, and also sustainability in terms of packaging. So I think we're going and we're already seeing shifts with all these huge companies which are really making an effort to to be more more sustainable. So I think that's uh, that's at least uh, one. And then I'm not maybe objective but it seems like a lot of people want like a more simple routine like Jana said she doesn't like to you know she doesn't have a complicated routine and, and neither do I and uh, I think people would like to get results but maybe with uh, with just fewer products just for simplicity. Another thing I think it's already in the fashion industry more people are shying away from fast fashion and the same is you can start seeing in beauty so fast beauty you don't mm. necessarily have companies launching new ranges seasonally and oh, I would personally like to have see more classics and not always relaunch in something and having to have your customers buy the latest new thing. It would be much better if you just had a few classic products and you could choose from them. Mm. It's kind of moving away from the mass consumption that has been in place for such a long time now. So maybe you can open a little bit how Laponi is doing all this because I know you do. So... Well, um, in terms of simplicity, I guess it's pretty inherent. I mean, we put very few ingredients into our very few products. We don't aim to launch a certain amount of new new products, for example, every season. And and uh, then our products are also combinable in the sense that the new hydrating face mask, which is out and that can be used both as a face mask, but also as a moisturizer. 
And then we have a, a bunch of the other stuff which can be combined either kind of with other stuff in the in the Laponi line, but also with your other favorite products from other brands. And then uh, from a sustainability perspective, Jana puts a lot of effort into kind of checking out the raw materials or the ingredients. And then we try to pay a lot of attention to our packaging. So we try to keep it minimal and uh, also recyclable. And we hope to be even better at that in the future to create as uh, little waste as possible, I think is what we're after. Yeah, perhaps, Jana, you have a you have a comment on this from the chemistry side about the packaging because that's not always very simple either no uh, the packaging is a big issue because obviously the purpose of the packaging is to keep the product good and keep it usable for as long as possible and a lot of these for example zero waste products or biodegradable packaging they might not necessarily serve that purpose as well so you might have a shorter shelf life product product so we try to keep that in mind when choosing our packaging materials. Mm. Yeah, of course. Well, we've talked about kind of everything else except where people can find and buy your products now. Well, online, you know, in our own web store, but then uh, depending a bit on, on where you are in Finland, we retail at Ruohonjuuri, for example, Twist B, also organic, and then we have a bunch of other retailers uh, outside of Finland, which you can find on our website. But um, we service the, the entire European Union area and then also Norway, Switzerland and the UK from our own store. Yeah, you sell in quite many different countries as well. Where can people learn more about Laponi and follow you? What's you making? Well, on uh, Instagram, our handle is at Laponi Skincare and uh, we use that a lot. And uh, and then also on our site, you'll find we have a lot of blog content. Um, we work together with a bunch of, of experts, um, estheticians, dermatologists, nutritionists. And it's all about kind of trying to help people with sensitive and, and problem skin. So if you're interested in that kind of content, you'll find that there. And also for every product, we've really opened up the inky, the ingredient list, and you'll find detailed information on all the ingredients we use. Yeah, that's amazing. So people really know what's in the products and they can also have some help already for their concerns, whatever it is, for example, from the blog posts. And, and so we're very happy to kind of, if any customer has a more in-depth question about a certain ingredient or how to use their products we're more than happy to help and, and answer any questions yeah people can get in touch with you quite easily either through instagram or through your website so yeah i will link everything in the show notes so anyone super interested now can click directly from there so will be easy but thank you both of you for joining this episode of the of the podcast and i wish you just success thank you thank you so much thank you for listening to this episode of the nordic natural beauty podcast make sure you have subscribed or you follow the podcast so you won't miss the coming episodes if you know someone that would love to know more about the subjects that we're discussing in this podcast please share this episode we will keep sharing all things Nordic and natural, such as Nordic skincare tips, insights into the natural beauty industry, and unheard behind-scenes stories. You can follow the Nordic Natural Beauty Journey also on our Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Pinterest pages, simply at Nordic Natural Beauty Awards, and on Twitter at NNB Awards. Until next week, bye-bye!